while our lead pastor Renee is out on sabbatical, we have had the very, very cool joy of having some of our favorite speakers here. And I will tell you the truth. There's a lot of great speakers in the world, but we only invite the ones we really like and have fun with, <laughs> frankly. And Albert Tate has been here many times, so you know we like Albert Tate and have fun. He's here today with his wife, LaRosa. We're very happy to have you here, LaRosa, as well as his sister, friends from his church, his niece. Albert is a remarkably gifted speaker. I could list multiple degrees that he holds. He is considered to be one of the up-and-coming preachers in the country. You will, if you don't know why already, you will find out in a few minutes why. But mostly, we love to have Albert here because Albert has a heart of gold. He loves the Word of God, and that you are going to find out as he talks about it. Let's welcome Albert Tate. Well, Twin Lakes, how y'all doing this morning? Y'all good? I'll tell you, I am, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be here with y'all this morning. I'll tell you, I ran into your pastor the other day. I was at Mount Hermon uh, this week, and I ran into Renee. I didn't recognize the guy. He looked so relaxed and so rested. It was as if the glory of the Lord was shining upon him. I just looked, and he, he, all his gray hair is gone. It's all black. I said, man, what have you been doing? He said, man, my church blessed me with a sabbatical. I said, I got to get me one of those. <laughs> so I'm telling you, I'm going back to my church asking for a Renee sabbatical, thinking that hopefully my gray can go away. Uh, he said sabbatical, and he told me about a stylist that can kind of do a black rinse on his hair. So, uh, so I got that phone number too. But anyway, pr praise the Lord for you. Can I just thank God for you and your generosity and blessing him in that way? When you bless Pastor Renee to do a sabbatical, you are blessing the church and the kingdom of God because you're adding uh, life to his ministry and adding years to his ministry. So thank you. Give yourselves a hand for <laughs> blessing Pastor Renee. And I may need to call with a couple of references when I get back to my church and tell them a sabbatical. So I'm going to tell them, talk to Twin Lakes. They know how to do it right uh, and help a brother out. Uh, no, I, I am so excited to be here and to participate in the AHA series. I am always glad to come back to Twin Lakes and to be here and open God's word. So today for our AHA moment, we turn to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Book of Mark, chapter 5. Begin reading at verse 21. Aha moment, book of Mark, chapter 5. Begin reading at verse 21. Hear these words of our Father. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus... He fell at his feet. He pleaded uh, earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. 
because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt her body, uh, she felt in her body that she was freed from her infirmity, from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power, virtue had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Uh, your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader. Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, cool, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, at this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Uh, church, let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you because your word uh, transforms. It changes. It uh, sparks a new life. So I pray that you would do just that today through your word. Uh, Father, would you speak to us? Your children have gathered to listen. Uh, tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Would you turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us? God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us say, know, and do. Father, may the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Have your way in this great church today. In Jesus' name, every heart said amen. amen. Jairus, the synagogue leader, is on his way uh, out of a crisis. His daughter is on the verge of death. His daughter is on the verge of death. Hey, Adrian, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Um, his daughter, I'm just going to shout out people I see throughout this message. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. Um, his daughter is on the verge of death. He's in the midst of a crisis, and daddy's got to fix it. Daddy's got to make a way. So he realizes the only way for me to fix this is this man named Jesus. I'm sure he had heard about how blind Bartimaeus was blind and now was able to see. I'm sure he had heard about him healing the lame man. I'm sure he had heard about his miraculous power. So he knew if I've got a chance, I've got to find this rabbi Jesus. So he comes and he finds Jesus. He finds him and then convinces him to come to his house. So now Jairus, Jesus, the disciples, and this crowd are all processing the Jairus' house. Can you imagine the sigh of relief that Jairus must feel already knowing that Jesus 
Jesus is on his way to save his daughter's life. So Jairus, the disciples, Jesus, and this big crowd, they're all processing down to Jairus' house. And then all of a sudden, Jairus realizes he's the only one walking. Jesus has stopped. The disciples stopped and the crowd stopped. This woman who had been sick for 12 years, had bleeding, bleeding for 12 years, shouldn't even be out in public, deep unclean, has, has broken the cultural social law because she's convinced if I could just touch his clothes, he doesn't have to stop and talk to me. He doesn't have to lay hands on me. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I will be made whole. This woman comes and she touches Jesus. And as soon as she touches Jesus, immediately Jesus stops and asks what the disciples would consider a dumb question. I, I, I know they because you can hear it in their response that they think it's a dumb question. Jesus says, hundreds of people around him, people, big, big crowd all around him, we all walk in processions together. Jesus says, who touched me? The disciples are like, what you mean who touched you? Jesus, there are hundreds of people around you. Anybody could be touching you. Anybody, and there are all people around you. And, and you got, and you asking who touched you? And you supposed to be the Messiah? Really? You supposed to be the Messiah? Okay, we're in some shit trouble. Now why did I finish my, why did I leave my fishing business again? To follow this guy? He don't even know who touched him, right? It's not all quite in the, King James Version, but it's, um, it's an Albert Tate translation. Therein lies a beautiful point, though. Jesus says, there are a lot of people around me, but everyone's not touching me. Someone touched me. You can be around Jesus and not touch Jesus. He says, somebody touched me. Because I felt virtue leave my body. I felt power leave my body. And now, normally with this text, we would take time to talk about the significance of this woman, the significance of her faith, her courage, her tenacity, her unwillingness to give up, her willingness to fight for her blessing, to fight for her healing, for her faith to believe God that he could do amazing supernatural things in her life. Normally we would talk about her, but today I didn't come to talk about her. I don't want to talk about her faith and her strength and her courage. Powerful, worthy of note. Maybe Renee can have me come back another time. I'll talk about that. I don't want to talk about that today. Today, I want to talk about my man Jairus. Because Jairus is over there waiting. What is, what, what? Hey, lady, I got him first. Lady, take a number. I was sitting there, I had Jesus going, and then, and then she gonna come and interrupt. What do, you, what do you do when you're forced to wait on Jesus? Have, have you ever had a time when you had a promise from the Lord, but you had to wait on it? I don't know about you, maybe he always operates on time for you, but there are times in my life when he just don't show up on time. It's almost like he needs an assistant to help him with his calendar. Did you not get my demands? I mean, my prayer request? 
See, 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 in church, we, we talk about we talk about the time we needed Jesus by Wednesday at 2 o'clock. And Wednesday at 2 o'clock, Jesus showed up. Praise the Lord. I don't want to I want to talk about the time you needed him on Wednesday by 2 o'clock. And it's Thursday and you still look it. I want to talk about the times when he doesn't follow your agenda. The times when he doesn't show up according to your time scale that you've laid out for him. You, according to your plan, according to your calendar, according to your needs. I want to talk about the times when you are forced to wait on God. We talk about believing in God. We talk about trusting God. I don't hear a lot of sermons talking about how it is that we wait on the Lord. Because most of us find ourselves in seasons where we're forced to sit in the waiting room of God. And in that moment, Satan begins to drop seeds of frustration, of anger, and even doubt. Some of us walk out of the waiting room giving up on God because we feel as if he's given up on us. This morning, I want to talk about how to wait on God, how to trust God. Jairus is sitting there, girl about to die, interrupted by this woman, interrupted by a good cause, but interrupted nonetheless. How do you wait on the Lord? Three things we learn from Jairus that we want to consider this morning. Three things to consider when you're waiting on the Lord. Number one, consider your posture. Everyone say posture. Come on, shout it out for me. Say posture. posture. Consider your posture. Jairus comes and he's a synagogue leader. He's a man of influence. And he could have come on some peer type stuff, some bartering type stuff. Uh, oh, Jesus, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dignitary. You're a dignitary. Let's work out a deal. Let's work out a go. No, no, no. He didn't come with self-righteousness. He didn't come with arrogance or pride. He came kneeling before the Lord God Almighty. He recognized him as Jesus. He recognized him as a rabbi. He recognized him as one who had a power greater than his. So his posture reflected his reality. He didn't come self-righteous. See, we got to be careful. Sometimes we can come self-righteous to God and we can think that we're entitled something. Jesus, I go to church every Sunday. I pay my tithes. I should not get cancer. Jesus, I read my Bible every day. My kids should not be crazy. <laughs> Jesus, I do all of these things. Something should not happen to me because of all this stuff. No, 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 no. You're, you got self-entitlement issues. You got self-righteousness issues. You think that God owes you, and you need, to, you need to check your posture. In your posture, you need to be clear who God is and who God ain't. Humility. He came cloaked in humility, and he bowed before his God. It kind of reminds me of Dr. Jerry Young, president of the National Baptist Convention, uh, uh, local church down there in Mississippi. He pastors. He, he's known all across the country as being a phenomenal preacher, but unfortunately, uh, Dr. Jerry Young doesn't fly. He, he's scared to fly, and, and he doesn't fly anywhere. So if he's going anywhere, he's got to drive. So other preachers every now and then, you know, kind of preachers make fun of each other. They kind of poke fun at Dr. Jerry Young. One, one, one young preacher was introducing Dr. Jerry Young, and he introduces him, and he says this. He's poking fun at him. He says, he says uh, yeah, Dr. Jerry Young's here to speak today, and uh, uh, Dr. Jerry Young, he doesn't like to fly, unfortunately. But see, he doesn't realize, see, I like to fly because I like to be high up where Jesus is. I like to be high in the heavens where God is. So that's why I like to fly, you know, poking at Dr. Jerry Young. Dr. Jerry Young, not to be outdone, he gets to the platform, and he says, well, young man, 
You may like to fly to be high where Jesus is, but the Bible says, Lo, I am with you always. Lo. Uh, turn around and tell your neighbor, get low. Turn, 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 tell your neighbor, tell, 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 get low. Turn around and tell your neighbor, get low. Get low, get low, get low. Okay. It's the idea that I've got to humble myself so that God might be with me. I've got to get low. I've got to think, think highly of God and, and, and recognize that he is God. He is in control. He has the power. So I've got to, I've got to change my posture. I've got to change my posture. And it's, it's just something, y'all, about bending your knees. It's just something about getting down on your knees and getting before the Lord. i never forget uh, when proposing to my wife, I proposed to my wife. We've been married for over 12 years. I proposed. I never forget. Planned a big party, hundreds of people there. I'm on the stage, and I wrote my speech. Y'all, she ain't listening to a word I'm saying. <laughs> I spent all this time on this speech. She ain't listening to one word of my speech. She thinking, why am I on this stage? Why you got me in front of all these people? What are you doing? What are we? She just thinking. I... But as soon as I got down on my knees immediately I got a different response. As soon as, as soon as I started bending down, all the pe ladies in the audience crying, my wife started to fan and she wasn't even hot before, but now all of a sudden she hot. She, because it was something about my posture that said something louder than my words could say. My posture changed. It spoke and it said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I want, to, I want your hand in marriage. I want to make a lifelong commitment to you. And I want to love you for the rest of your days. See, something that my posture said that my words couldn't really capture. I guess what I'm trying to get you to see and learn from Jairus is when you find yourself in the waiting room of the Lord, uh, it's not so much as what your words are saying, but what is the posture of your heart saying? Does the posture of your heart say, God, I trust you. Even in this, I'll believe in you. Even in this, I'll wait on you. Even in this, my posture says, you are God. You are in control. If I could stand up and fix it, I would have stood up and fixed it a long time ago, but I cannot. So I bow before you, almighty God. Consider your posture. See, the problem is you don't wait on God like you're waiting on the bus. Yes. And then you come to church and you're still looking, is it? <laughs> Have you seen the Lord? Where's the Lord at? I'm looking for God. You don't, you don't wait on God like you're waiting on a bus. You, you wait on God probably more, important, more appropriately like a, like a waiter at a restaurant. You wait on God asking the question every, every morning, Lord, how can I serve you today? Lord, Lord how might I be a blessing to your kingdom today? Lord, Lord, while I'm waiting on you, how can I wait on you? How can I serve you? Lord, while I'm waiting on you to meet my need, how can I meet someone else's need? How can I be a blessing in the earth? Lord, while I'm waiting, teach me to wait. My brother, my sister, learn to wait on the Lord. Learn to serve him. Wait, I say on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart if you wait on the Lord. Not if you wait on the Lord. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm.
First thing, you got to consider your posture. Second thing is you got to consider his promises. Uh, consider his promises. Uh, uh, Jairus is standing there while he's waiting on this woman. I, I, I can imagine the frustration uh, is through the roof. He's, he's waiting on this woman. This woman is taking time. Uh, and then the Bible says news came from his house that said, your daughter has died. Don't worry Jesus anymore. Come home and let's start the mourning process. I don't, I don't know what it's like for you, but if you're waiting on the Lord and your situation goes from bad to worse, you're trusting in the Lord, you're waiting on the Lord, and your situation goes from bad to worse, you almost feel as if you've been denied. You almost feel as if Jesus has turned his back on you. And in Jairus' case, he has. Jesus has literally turned around the other way and is now ministering to a whole nother person. Jairus could have gotten frustrated with God's timing. He could have been like Mary and Martha said, if you would have just kept walking, then we could have been, you could have saved my daughter's life. This woman who'd been sick for 12 years, she definitely could have been sick another 12 minutes. She could have, we could have made it to my house and back by now. Like, he could have easily been frustrated with God, frustrated with this woman. Frustrated with that Jesus, that Jesus heals this woman while his daughter's dying. Sometimes we don't talk about this a lot of church, and sometimes, sometimes though, maybe not you, maybe, maybe never you, but, but sometimes in my life, I'll see him blessing other people and thinking, that should have been me. And I have a hard time seeing him bless other people because I'm thinking they cut in line in front of me. That's what, I, that's, that's what I wanted to happen in my family, Lord. Why is that not happening in my family? Why is that not happening with the testimony with my children? Why is that not happening with my finances? And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in this moment not considering his promises, but considering your problems. You got to focus on something bigger. He looks and he sees and he gets worse news and he had a moment. He could have... He could have been the angry at God. He could have just gone home and started the funeral process. Because, you know, funeral process, it was just a whole process. Like, 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 like in, in, in Mississippi, when somebody dies, y'all, I'm telling you, like five minutes after the body, after they stop breathing, sisters be bringing over casseroles and cakes and chickens and stuff. It's as if they, like they was just cooking that morning, just getting ready. Be like, what you doing, Shirley? I'm just cooking just in case somebody pass away, child. I'm just, I just want to be ready just in case something happened, you know. Like, they just ready all the time. They came from Jairus' house basically saying the casseroles are already ready. The casseroles are at the house, Jairus. Come on, let's start mourning. And in that moment, he could have felt defeated. Could have felt denied. God, you said you was going to do it. But now my situation has gone from bad to worse. I feel denied. I feel rejected. I feel as if you've turned your back on me. It reminds me of a story. Uh, when I was in um, college, I used to travel uh, with our singing group, uh, the, the Jubilee Singers, our college singing group. We were called the Jubilee Singers. We'd travel all across the country. And when I graduated, Dr. Cooper would invite me to come back to sing with the guys still. And he would, he would compensate me by buying me a suit. He, he knew I loved suits. Uh, and, um, 
and he would, he would take me to this special place where he used to shop. Uh, it's called Back Rack. We didn't even have a store in our neighborhood. It was a catalog. And I never bought anything from catalog because all the suits that I bought from Walmart, you didn't really need a catalog. You could just walk in and just kind of pull it off the clearance rack. Uh, and clearance in Walmart is really, really cheap. Uh, it's like... So, so, so I'm, I'm shopping in the catalog, but we're in Ohio, and Ohio actually has a back rack store. So I walk in the back rack store with Dr. Cooper, and I'm able to pick out my suit. So I go in, and I pick out my suit, and we lay it on the cash register. And y'all, and we're sitting there talking, and Dr. Cooper pulls out a back rack card. He's got the card of the store. I've never even seen a Walmart card, but he has like a credit card for back rack. So he gives the lady the back rack card, and we're just talking, and we're just talking. And then all of a sudden, the lady interrupts and says, Excuse me, Mr. Cooper, your card was denied. And I'm thinking to myself, I start praying to the Lord. Right away, I said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, this can't happen to Dr. Cooper? I mean, it can happen to me. It happens to me all the time. That's just a regular Tuesday. But Dr. Cooper, like, this shouldn't happen to Dr. Cooper? And Lord, what about my suit? Does this mean I can't get my suit now? His card is gone. This is embarrassing. Oh, Lord. And then Dr. Cooper, though, Dr. Cooper's... He was unfazed, like didn't flinch, as if, as if nothing bothered him at all. He turned, looked at the woman and said, try it again. And then started back talking to me. I couldn't hear a word he was saying because I was too busy praying. Oh, Lord, he told him to try it again. I never would tell anybody to try it again on my card. My card would never go through. And this is embarrassing. How awkward is Lord? I ain't going to be able to get my suit. And then Dr. Cooper had been embarrassed. This is just terrible. So the lady comes back again, and she says, excuse me. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, help us. Lord, give me, deliver me from this, from this hell that I find myself in, you know. Because, you know, I'm praying to the Lord, y'all, because I really need this suit. Like, like, like Moses needed to part the Red Sea, I needed this suit for me. You know what I mean? I, I, so she interrupts and she says, excuse me, Dr. Cooper, uh, forgive the delay. Your card was accepted. And he looks as if he, that's what he thought she was going to say. And then started back talking to me. And I didn't hear nothing he was saying because I started praying to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I get my suit today. Praise the Lord. And maybe I should say again the next time my car get rejected, try again. And the Lord said, don't you do that, son. Don't you try. Don't you say that. Don't you do that again. So, so the car goes through. I get my suit, I'm walking out, I'm praising the Lord, I'm happy, Dr. Cooper, we talk. And he hadn't acknowledged the awkwardness at all. We walking out, he stops. My name's Albert, but he calls me Bert, but he put a southern draw on it. So he looked at me, he says, Bert, I may have been delayed, but I ain't never been denied. And walked out the store. Church, what I want you to understand is when you're trusting in the God of your salvation, when you're trusting in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you may be delayed, but you will not be denied. His promises are yes and amen. You can trust him because he is a good God. You may be delayed, but you have not been denied. Jairus is forced to look at the on this side coming from the death of his daughter at the house and looking at the truth on this side hearing Jesus Christ saying Jesus looks at him and says Jairus I overheard what they said she ain't dead she's sleeping just believe me Jairus what do you do when you got facts on this side and you got the truth of Jesus on this side 
You got to know the difference between the facts and the truth. The fact is the enemy is coming against me and he's made a target on my back. But the truth is no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. The fact is the enemy has oppression and I got opposition coming against me. But the truth is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The fact is I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm worn. But the truth is they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles they shall run and not get weary they shall walk and not faint the fact is I cried myself to sleep last night but the truth is weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning you gotta know the difference between the facts and the truth God has not denied you you got to trust his word. The fact in that moment was Jairus, my daughter's dead. But the truth of Jesus is, he says, I am the resurrection, the truth, and the life. You got to be able to trust. Trust his promises. Don't find yourself sitting on the premises when you need to be standing on the promises. Ooh, that was good. I'm going to say it to this side over here. Oh, Lord, that was good. Tweet that. Don't, don't find yourself sitting on the premises when God has called you to stand on his promises. Stand on his promises, church. Consider your posture. Consider his promises. Third and finally, I love it. Jairus holds on. He believes the truth over the facts. Uh, Jesus uh, shrinks the crowd down. He, he doesn't take everybody. Peter, James, and John, y'all come with me. They go to the house. They get to the house casseroles being spread around people are wailing and crying listen to, listen to Jesus Jesus kind of comes in kind of grand he kind of comes in kind of grand kind of grandiose he, he comes in and he makes his declaration he comes in these people wailing and crying and he says why are you wailing and crying the girl is not dead she is but asleep they stop crying look at Jesus listen to what he said, and then they bust out laughing hysterically. They laugh at Jesus. They laugh at his declaration. What I love, though, what I love better than that is notice what Jesus says next. Notice what the text says next. The next thing the Bible says is, and after he put them all out. <laughs> he said, oh, y'all think that's funny? Get out. You get out, you get out, get to stepping, get to stepping. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. Get to stepping, get out of here. He kicked every last one of them out the house. And therein lies a spiritual principle that I've been longing for. It's called the spiritual principle, the spiritual gift of kicking people out your life. You got to know when to kick people out your life. You got to know when to shrink the crowd. Jesus just did it. He just modeled it for us. Peter, James, and John, y'all going with me. The rest of y'all, y'all hanging out. What was wrong with Matthew? Why Matthew couldn't go? Is he on punishment? He on timeout or something? What's wrong with Matthew? What about Bartholomew? What does Bartholomew ever do anyway? Where is he at? Why can't he come? They at the 7-Eleven smoking cigarettes or something? What's going on? Where, where are Matthew and Barnabas? Jesus says, oh, some assignments, the crowd just needs to be smaller. And he gets in the house and he kicks everybody out. Because you need to know who you have around you. 
And there are seasons and times when you find yourselves in the waiting room of the Lord when you need people praying with you and not laughing with you. You, you need people that can pray with you and not laugh at you. You need people that are going to stand in faith and not sit in fear. There are seasons in your life when you need to intentionally shrink your crowd and gather people around you that will believe God with you. Learn from Joseph. You can't tell everybody your dreams. But who are your Peter, James, and Johns that you can circle around your family and say, we're believing God for these things? You got to know how to shrink the crowd. He kicks the people out. And this is when Jairus has his aha moment. Ah. He walks Jesus into the room with his little girl. Jesus grabs the hand of his little girl. And the girl rises. And in that moment, Jairus had one of the most significant ahas that one can have in a lifetime. He realized, ah, as he thought about all the many times that he could have given up, all the many times that he could have stopped believing, he realized Jesus is worth the wait. He's worth waiting for. If you wait on Jesus... He'll renew your strength. If you wait on Jesus, he'll encourage your heart. If you wait on Jesus, it will be worth it all. As he saw his little girl take her first breath, he saw her rise off the bed. No, he was glad he didn't listen to the naysayers. I know he was glad he didn't throw throw in the towel. He was glad that he waited on on the Lord because the Lord is always, always, always worth the wait. There are times when you feel like it's over. It's times when you feel like now's the time to wave the white flag. Now's the time to give up. You feel like God is not moving. You feel denied by God. You feel as if God has turned his back on you. You need to know that God is not done. He is not finished. The game is not over. Stay in the fight. Keep trusting him. The king is still moving on your behalf. The king still has a purpose and a plan for your life. Trust his promises. You got to know that God isn't finished. He is worth the wait. It reminds me of a story of two friends who walk in a museum and they walk in this museum and one of them is a professional chess player and he's captivated by this portrait that's a picture of a chess game. It's a picture of a chess game. It's a painting of a chess game, and he's looking at it, and the caption under the painting says checkmate, which is check, check, uh, which is chess terminology for the game is over. So he's looking at it, and y'all, he's analyzing, and he's studying, and he's analyzing, and he's studying, and his friend is growing weary. He wants to move on to another painting, but he's still analyzing, and he's studying, and he's analyzing, and he's studying. The museum says we're about to close, and he's still stuck there, captivated by this picture of this chess game, uh, analyzing, and studying, analyzing. Finally, his friend says, man, I got to go. I'm leaving. He says, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. Come here. Look at this painting. He says, what? It's just a painting. It's a painting of a chess game. What? He says, no, 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 no. Look, this painting is wrong. He says, what do you mean the painting is wrong? A painting can't be wrong. What do you mean the painting is wrong? He said, no, the painting is wrong. It's a picture of a chess game and it says checkmate. But if you see clearly, the game isn't over. If you just, if you look closely, you'll see that the king still has one more move and as long as the king still has one more move it means the game is not over this chess picture is wrong 
Friends, I've come to tell you that as long as Jesus is on the throne, the king still has one more move. Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to give in. If God said it, he's going to do it. You got to trust the king. The king is not through with you. He still has one more move and you ought to praise him while you're in the waiting room. You ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for moving in my life. Thank you for making it happen in my life. Oh, come on. You ought to give the king some glory today. You ought to lift his up. You ought to lift up his name. The king still has one more move. You may be delayed, but you have not been denied. God has a purpose for your life. God's going to move in your life. You ought to praise him while you're in the waiting room. In the waiting room, you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. You are worth the wait. Bless the king today. Oh, come on and bless the king today. He's worth.